Now, before we proceed with this episode, I do have something important that I need to share with everybody. As you guys know, about two years ago, I did a sketch comedy show called The Going Live Show. And while I was on the show, I worked with a very talented cast and became friends with practically every cast member on the show. And one friend that I had in particular, her name was Tata Sharice. Now, if you watch the Going Live show, you know who Tata is. She was basically um, the public defender. That was her uh, main gimmick on the uh, show. That was the main character she played, and she did that quite a few times. And if you saw the um, Hood Exorcist sketch, uh, she played the mother in the sketch. Like, I played the, uh, the priest that was trying to, you know, get the demon out of of her son in the sketch. Uh, she played the mom and I played the priest going, the power of Christ compels you. Like that was me. Well, sadly this past Christmas Eve, uh, Tata Sharice was carjacked at gunpoint while coming home from a comedy show. Now the good news is she is not hurt physically. The bad news is her car was stolen and the merchandise that she sells after shows was stolen as well. And she currently has a GoFundMe page set up to help her raise the money that she needs to get a new car and order more merch so she can, you know, get back to selling merch and get out there performing. And what I'm going to do is I am going to read the synopsis of her GoFundMe page to further illustrate what she's looking for rather than try to paraphrase. It. So this is on her GoFundMe page. Hey y'all, so I got carjacked. I'm no stranger to obstacles or overcoming tough times, but what recently happened to me was something I really wasn't prepared for. I was carjacked at gunpoint by two men on Christmas Eve coming home from a show. Comedy is now the majority of my income, so my car was very important to me because it's how I get to most shows. Also, all of my Tata Sharice merchandise was in the trunk of my car, which is another big part of my income. I'm blessed to be alive. I do about five to 10 shows a month and I'm really grinding. I don't plan to give up at all, but I'm creating this GoFundMe to help speed things up so I can get back to doing what I love and bring joy to others. Anything that anybody can contribute would be greatly appreciated and used to go towards a car and to replace my merchandise that I sell at shows. I appreciate the support and my spirit has not been broken. Thank you for the love that people have already showed me and anything further helps. I just entered year six of my stand-up comedy career and it has been an incredible journey. I've hit amazing milestones and so far I've performed in over 200 shows non-stop, but I can't let this situation situation slow me down. And as I mentioned before, Tata Sharice is a friend of mine. I've worked with her before. She is hilariously funny and a tremendous talent. And I am encouraging all of the Boochcast fans to donate money to Tata Sharice's GoFundMe to help her get back on her feet, get back on the road, and get back to doing what she does best. So from now until the GoFundMe page is completed, I am going to be putting the link to her GoFundMe page on every single Boochcast episode going forward inside the synopsis so you can use it to go there and do whatever you can to help her out. I will also be providing links on the Boochcast social media pages so you can access them there as well. So go to the link, donate what you can, and help Tata Sharice get back to bringing joy and laughter to the world.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our NFL Weekend Review, the final week of the regular season. And, of course, there's only one man I can bring here to talk about it, the one and only, the NFL exporter, Mr. Lance Goodman. Lance, welcome back to the show. Absolutely, Vinny. Absolutely. How's everything going? Uh, everything's going great, man. Um, got got a lot of stuff planned for the week. Um, got to get got to get ready for this uh birthday party. I got to perform at. But um, outside of that, everything's going great. All right. Absolutely. Well, uh, man, after a crazy and exciting and drama filled season, uh, we finally have our playoff picture set. So we know who's in. We know who's out. Uh, definitely were a lot of implications that happened in Week 18. Uh, so I'll send it to you first. Uh, anything specifically that stood out in your mind from games on Sunday? Uh, yes, I felt that. Um, I felt that. I felt that. Um, you know, the Chiefs dominated their game. Um, I felt uh, Tony played very well overall. Um, I thought the. Uh, uh, I thought uh, Kirk um, played beautifully during the Titans Jaguars game. Like that guy was amazing. And um, you know the the lateral pass where uh, I, I love the lateral where. Um, Burke tossed the ball in the air. The other Jaguar card to get extra yards. I thought that was a very good um good play. And also as a wrestling fan, it was exciting to see Tony Khan just so happy in that skybox. Like literally, just it's nice to know he has the same passion for the Jaguars that he has for AEW. So I'm I'm intrigued to see that. It's like okay, he's he's been obsessed with getting AEW off the ground, but he hasn't lost sight of the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is a smart thing to see. Because I don't get me wrong, I'm a wrestling fan, but I know that uh the Jaguars are the Khan's bread and br- butter, not all wrestling and so it's nice to know he's hasn't taken his eye off the ball there um uh it was and there was one weird thing in the brown steelers game that i noticed where um pickens had that great low catch and what's weird was from an ang- the, the way the ang- camera was angled when he first caught the ball i honestly thought that was pass interference on the browns i really did like like no one's calling anything what's going on and they showed it from another angle and i was like oh he's fine that's cool <laughs> so i enjoyed that um uh the i remember the the jets dolphins game was comedy to me that was that was entertaining. Um, the as far as like the Dolphins botching a snap because Thompson wasn't ready for it. Uh, they ended up winning with a field goal because that game was basically just like boring overall. And then of course you got um, uh, Hines with the opening kickoff touchdown, the 101 yard touchdown, and the Dion strut. That was that stood out to me a lot. And of course um, you know Gage Jr. getting the touchdown ca- catch despite hurting his lower back. I thought that was good because as soon as he got up and I saw him grabbing his back, I'm like oh boy, I think he might be in trouble, but uh, thankfully, he wasn't, so I, I like that. Um, I love Woods recovering the unexpected football, and also as a wrestling fan, I love there's a football player named Xavier Woods, because there's also a wrestler named Xavier Woods who, who wrestles in NXT right now, so I thought that was, I, I always think that's cool, and every time they say Xavier Woods, I have to pause for a minute and go, okay, he did not leave the WWE to play football. I need to remind myself that. That's always something I gotta remind myself, because it's just so confusing, and of course, um, Kittle with, the, with awesome touchdown catches during the Cardinals 49 game. I thought he played very well. Uh, the Colts recovering a fumble near the Texan end zone, but then the Texans get an interception for a touchdown. It was just like back and forth with them. Um, and let's see. I got uh, I like the fact that during the, the Broncos Chargers game, uh, Judy continued just played very well and um, Russell Wilson, it was like 50-50 in this game. One minute one minute he's playing to a point where you're like, okay I should keep him around. Then he'll do something else and it's like okay, he needs to go away. So it's like I still 50-50 on that guy. And uh, of course, uh, let's see. Um 
I loved uh, Hooker with the interception in the end zone during the Cowboys-Commanders game. Uh, Ramsey's interception in the opening quarter during the Rams and Seahawks. And Lockett with the Hail Mary touchdown catch. I thought that was amazing. And the Lions versus Packers, of course, being a dogfight with Aaron Rodgers throwing way too many interceptions. And uh, I'd say overall, those are the things that stood out to me. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it was it was, it was was a crazy week. Um, man, just a crazy season. Um, and, and there was still a lot on the line. So, you know, we'll, we'll definitely go through these games. Um, so I'll start with Saturday's game. Uh, we had a doubleheader. Both of those games definitely had playoff implications. You had the Chiefs uh, go out and handle business uh, on the road against the Raiders 31 to 13. I don't think that game to me was ever any doubt or question. Uh, once uh, it came out that the Chiefs would get the first round by if they won that game against the Raiders, uh, I barely watched that game. Uh, Kansas City is a team. This is going to be, I believe, their eighth. It might be seventh for sure, uh, but this could be their eighth consecutive season of winning that division. I mean, they just have dominated uh, the AFC West for almost a decade straight. And so they're a team, when you look at head coach Andy Reid, starting quarterback Patrick Mahomes in his fourth year, uh, offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Uh, they just have a winning culture there. You know, they have they just have a winning culture. They go about their business. I think it helps that they're not in a mainstream market. So even though they are talked about a lot and have a lot of uh, uh, some great players and good players, players on a team on their team uh, they fly under the radar because they're not in New York City they're not in Los Angeles you know they're not in in some of the major markets I think it's still definitely a, a blue collar uh, worksman type attitude uh, going out to Arrowhead Stadium still one of the toughest places to play and um, they just know how to get the job done led by quarterback Patrick Mahomes and so they finished the year at 14 and 3 uh, they will get the first round by uh, in the AFC playoffs um, I'll go ahead and jump into that picture because things kind of unraveled uh, strange this year so, of course, in week 17, with the final call for the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals game has officially was canceled. Uh, so both of those teams were going to have one less game play. Uh, the issue and what I thought was unfair was that the Buffalo Bills, who prior to that Bengals game, uh, were ahead of the Chiefs. They had the number one overall seed. So for me, even though the Bills played one less game, if the Bills and Chiefs both ended with the same amount of losses and the Bills beat the Chiefs head to head, I thought the Buffalo Bills should have got the first round by yeah. you know I mean I understand that they played one less game but they did beat Kansas City head to head this year they have the same exact amount of losses as Kansas City and it's not their fault that the game was canceled on Monday night so as far as the AFC playoff pitchers concerned um, that is the only issue that I have is that the Chiefs were allowed to get that first round by certainly not saying it wasn't unearned because they do have a 14 and 3 record but the Bills were the team who basically at this point you know still uh, are ahead of Kansas City in the standings with the exception of a half game in the win column. So I think the NFL could have handled that differently. I think the Buffalo Bills should have been a team to get that first round by. Nonetheless, in the aftermath uh, of the mess, we certainly are not talking about uh, Buffalo Bills safety, Demar Hamlin. And uh, before we even go any further, thank you for everybody's continued prayers. Um, he, at this point, is back in Buffalo in stable condition. Um, and so, you know, compared to where we were a week ago, uh, it, everybody is in a much more comfortable and relaxed place place because this time last week we did not know if this young man was going to still be alive uh, today so uh, that certainly brought a great sense of relief but in the aftermath of the mess they came out of that Bills game and we're talking about the mess of trying to figure out how this playoff scenario was going to break down what the NFL decided to do was because the Bengals had a chance to beat the Buffalo Bills and take over potentially the number two seed because the Buffalo Bills if they would have beat uh, Cincinnati uh, and, and won this past week they would have had the first round by the NFL NFL has decided that the AFC championship game will have a neutral site. Uh, I have not been able to look and see if that's ever been
been done in NFL history because usually, you know, it's just by seed. Whoever the number one seed is, two, three on down. When you get to the NFC Championship game, the higher uh, seeded team gets home field advantage. This year, there is going to be a neutral site, meaning if the AFC Championship game will not be in the city of any of the teams in the playoffs. And uh, I think that's that's rather intriguing. I'll be interested to find out where the site is. I don't know if they have chose the site yet, but uh, I think that's interesting because a lot of people from those respective teams' fan bases may not be able to make the game. So I think as we move along here in the playoffs, um, there's certainly going to be uh, a ripple effect as far as fans and and consumers not being pleased with how things shook out. Um, When we look at the rest of the AFC, what we did see on Saturday night on the back end of that doubleheader, the Jacksonville Jaguars were able to edge out the Tennessee Titans. That was a win and get in game. Uh, Whichever team won would win the AFC South division and by default get an automatic shot into the playoffs. And uh, man, I tell you, it it takes a lot uh, to to be professional and hold in what you really want to say. Uh, The final score that game was Jacksonville 20, Tennessee 16. Uh, But the reason that that score was that uh, was the mistakes made by the Tennessee Titans quarterback, Joshua Dobbs and, you know, head coach Mike Vrabel. It really took everything from him to really um, put that blame on Joshua Dobbs and the Titans offense um, because they really blew that game. And when you look at Tennessee and you're talking about Joshua Dobbs, he's a third string quarterback. He's a guy that um, really was not even mentioned amongst Tennessee coming into the season. You knew they had Ryan Tannehill. And then if he did not do well, or, you know, in this case, I shouldn't even say if he didn't do well, if something happened to him, then they drafted Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty. And he was expected to come in, but he looked so bad in the game and a half that we seen out of him. They resorted to a third string quarterback. And the NFL is a game where it's a matter of inches. The margin for error is very small. Uh, A lot of these football games, regardless of what the final score may be, unless it's an absolute blowout, it is a couple plays here. It's a couple plays there that ultimately determine these games. And when you look at what the Tennessee Titans did, uh, they had key turnovers. The the two uh, big instrumental plays that really swung this game, Joshua Dobbs, really not his fault. His hand got hit on the pass, but he threw an interception that the Jaguars were able to run back into Tennessee territory to put some points on the board. And then uh, Joshua Dobbs was also... strip sack uh, from behind and the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars defense was able to pick it up and run it in for a score. When you look at the final score 20 to 16, uh, you certainly can allot 10 of Jacksonville's points to those turnovers and that is what head coach Mike Vrabel really had to uh, really bite his lip after the game. If you didn't see the interview, uh, it really took all the strength in the world for him to basically um, not say the truth of the matter and certainly he has to make sure he keeps his team uh, intact. It is a team sport. We win together. We lose together, but it took the life out of him to really be able to hold back and not say, hey, this one is not on my defense. This one is on my offense. The the mistakes that we made on the offensive side of football, primarily our quarterback, Joshua Dobbs, it cost us this football game. And that's just the truth of the matter. And so it's going to be a long offseason for Tennessee and they're a franchise now. And we'll be certainly uh, continuing our our segments moving forward. We'll definitely do a year in a segment so we can really dig into these teams and what they need to do before heading into the offseason. But Tennessee 
Tennessee is a team right now where you look at their window and uh, it's closing. I mean, over the last five years, they've been to an AFC championship game. They've won their division maybe four out of the last five years. They had home field advantage. I mean, everything that you could have possibly wanted. They Last year, they were the number one overall seed in the AFC. And so this is a team that over the last five years have had every single thing that you could possibly need to win a Super Bowl. And that window is now closed. So they're definitely going to be in rebuilding mode. Um, you look at the Browns and the Steelers game. And basically what we had happen, and I, let me jump uh, around a little bit from game to game, excuse me. So Chiefs, first round by, they're in, winners of the AFC West. Jacksonville Jaguars won the AFC South. They'll be hosting a home playoff game this week. The New England Patriots had a scenario this week for themselves where it was simply win and get in. But you knew going out to Buffalo, especially after uh, the emotions and just the emotional roller coaster that the Bills were on the past week, they were coming out playing that game for DeMar Hamlin. You knew the home crowd was going to be crazy, family in attendance, and it just was too much to overcome. The Patriots hung in for as long as they could, but at the end of the day, the better and more talented team won, and that was the Buffalo Bills. With that win, the Bills locked up the number two seed, and they will have home field advantage up until the AFC Championship game if they are able to make it there. Uh, the Patriots, their season is done. That opened the door for the Miami Dolphins. They were the team next in line, where if New England lost, Miami needed to win and get in. Uh, in a very closely contested contest, Miami able to get the job done. Uh, you knew it was going to be a slugfest, AFC, two AFC East teams. The Jets did still have something to play for because if the Patriots lost, if they could beat the Dolphins and the Steelers lost, then the Jets could get in. And so the Jets came out, played hard, but they were down to Zach Wilson at quarterback. I did not watch that game. I know Joe Flacco ended the game. And so I don't know if Wilson played so bad that he had to come out, but I know Joe Flacco ended up being on the football field for the Jets last drive. As far as the Dolphins were concerned, they played with a third string quarterback. Uh, so it was not a lot going on in that game. Dolphins able to pull it out. 50 yard field goal by Jason Sanders with 18 seconds left. And with the Patriots losing, that allowed the Dolphins to lock up that final in seventh spot in the AFC. Uh, I'll tell you what's crazy about that game. And that's something else we'll be delving into in future segments uh, is gambling, betting, uh, you know, the point spread. And I just putting this out there because now all of a sudden this has become something that uh, is affecting that in this game, the jets were getting four points. Uh, they were plus four um, at when the dolphins kicked the field goal, they went ahead nine to six. So from a point spread standpoint with the New York Jets getting four points. At that time, the score was the New York Jets 10, the Miami Dolphins 9. If that game runs out with those extra four points, the New York Jets would have covered the point spread, getting the plus four. There, the Jets get the ball, 13 seconds left. They tried this whole lateral thing, the same mess that we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, being probably one of the worst plays we ever seen in NFL history when the New England Patriots attempted to do a lateral at the end of the game, and it resulted in Chandler Jones of the Las Vegas Raiders intercepting the ball, uh, smashing uh, Mac Jones into the ground like a video game and running into the end zone for the score. We've seen this happen here, Vinny, where on the very last play of the game, the Jets attempted a lateral and it ended with the Jets rookie wide receiver Garrett Wilson being tackled in the end zone for a safe. And that safety changed the score of the game from with the Jets getting four points covering 10 to nine. It allowed for Miami to win that game 11 to six and allow for Miami to cover that game negative four. 
And I'm mentioning that because when it comes to gambling, when it comes to betting on NFL games, when it comes to the point spread, you generally do not think about the last play of the game in laterals affecting the point spread. But this is the second time in a month that we've seen that happen on the NFL level. There was also a college football game where it was the same exact thing, where the over and under how many points combined scored in the game was a certain amount. And on the last play of the game, one of the college teams attempted to do a lateral and the defense picked the ball up and ran it into the end zone for a touchdown. So I just put that out there because there may be some people listening to the show, myself included, who were affected by that point spread. But I just thought it was very ironic now how all of a sudden now you can't even, you know, uh, uh, count all your eggs in a basket really until that clock absolutely hits zero because you never know uh, what may happen. By any chance, did you happen to see uh, that last play of that Dolphins-Jets game where the Jets made an attempt to, to do some laterals and, you know, it, it end up uh causing them to get a safety oh yeah i i i actually wrote i actually mentioned that was the only entertaining part of the game for me personally i can't speak for everybody else that watched like i said the laterals from the jets the end it almost and i said it almost led to an interception from the from the dolphins and it actually reminded me of i think it was if i remember correctly the patriots raiders game where the patriots tried to do that and then the raiders caught it ran in for the touchdown exactly. kind of reminded me of that exactly and it's crazy because like i said uh it's something Something that, you know, if you're not someone who, um, you know, is in tune with the point spread and things of that nature, then it just looked like a crazy play. But there were a lot of people, myself included, who had the Jets getting those four points. And when you seen the Dolphins kick the field goal with 18 seconds left to take a 9-6 lead, you're saying, whew, okay, I'm in there. You know, those four points that I got from the Jets are going to have me cover today, 10-9. to nine. And then you see that last play of that game unveiled with this guy getting tackled in the end zone for safety and man I, I i'm pretty sure uh a lot of people out there lost money on that game and man it, it's just crazy the way that you know now that's something else that you have to take into consideration that you know what you know these teams trying to lateral at the end of the game could end up costing you so i thought that was very interesting uh with the dolphins going ahead and handling their business then the pittsburgh steelers who won their game over the cleveland browns 28 to 14 null and void they're absolutely done and so when we look at the afc playoff picture uh we are all set to go Vinny. Uh, in, 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 uh, for the AFC. The Kansas City Chiefs, number one overall seed, first round bye. Uh, in the wild card matchups, you have the Los Angeles Chargers traveling out to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's Saturday night at 8.15. You have the Buffalo Bills hosting the Miami Dolphins Sunday at 1 o'clock. And then you have the Baltimore, excuse me, the Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Baltimore Ravens uh, Sunday night at 8.15. Uh, pretty much the general consensus about those games or storylines going in. When you look at that Chargers-Jaguars game, I think the, the Jaguars are just a feel-good story. Uh, last year this time, uh, they were in the news for all the wrong reasons. Firing their head coach Urban Meyer in his first year just was a horrible leader and coach for that team. Uh, he had the big story where, you know, he's a married man and, you know, film footage came out with some young lady dancing on him in a provocative way. Uh, people were questioning, was last year's number one overall draft pick quarterback Trevor Lawrence, was he even good enough to play in the NFL? So you fast Forward, they bring in a new head coach in Doug Peterson, well known for developing quarterbacks. Uh, he was part, he was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles team a couple years ago. They won a Super Bowl over the New England Patriots, helped develop Carson Wentz. And so when you see the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, this time last year, uh, fans' heads were down. The morale of the team was low. The owner just fired the head coach. The owner was basically trying to make apologies and amend for the public image that came from things going on uh, under his team's watch. So for a complete turn 
turnaround for the Jacksonville to win a division, to be hosting a playoff game for Trevor Lawrence now looking like the guy that many of us uh, thought we could see. He's got a huge ceiling of potential. You feel really good as a Jacksonville Jaguar uh, fan, especially when you look at the AFC South where the Houston Texans, uh, they're no major threat right now. They have their work cut out trying to turn their organization right now. We talked about the Tennessee Titans and their window pretty much closed at this point. I mean, they just got to get younger. I mean, Derrick Henry only has so many yards left in those legs. Ryan Tannehill is getting up in his age in the 30s. They don't have a wide receiver. Their defense is getting older, so the window's closing on them. And the Indianapolis Colts are in a similar situation, desperate for a quarterback. And so if you look at Jacksonville, you know, they're the team right now uh, that has the best trajectory because of how much youthful talent they have on their team because they have been bad for so long. And so feel good story for Jacksonville. For the Chargers, their head coach is being much maligned. Uh, the Chargers had nothing to play for last week with the exception of, and I, I think you can understand, I think a lot of coaches have been in the mindset of, I don't want to just sit all my guys the week before a game uh, to the point to where when we come out next week, and if you look at the Chargers case, the Jaguars had to play their starters the entire game to get a win. So they're coming in full of momentum, just played a full game, razor sharp, they're at home. And then if you're the Chargers and you sit all your guys, basically you got two weeks since your guys played a real football game, and then you're kind of asking them to turn it on and, and be ready for a tough role game. But at the same time, you risk injury. And that's what happened for the Chargers. Unfortunately, one of their top receivers, Mike Williams, went down with a back injury. His status is up in the air for the game Sunday, but it does not appear at least that he's going to be at 100%. And he's one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. Also, their defensive end, Joey Bosa, was injured in that game. He's one of the NFL's top pass rushers when, uh, uh, when he's healthy. I don't know what his status is either, but a lot of the Chargers fan base and media really were questioning why he played his players in a scenario when the Chargers' destiny was sealed. They were not going to move up or down no matter what happened on Sunday. They knew they were in the playoffs. They knew they were going to have to go on the road somewhere and play. He elected to play his starters and end up getting a few key guys injured. And so uh, that was something that definitely did not sit well uh, with a lot of Charger fans and a lot of Charger media. Uh, as for the Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins, I mean, all I can say is it's, it's difficult to beat a team three times in the season. Actually, the Bills and Dolphins actually split. But I think when you look at these two teams right now, especially for Miami, if they don't have Tua Tunga Valoa at quarterback, right as we're speaking, he is still in concussion protocol. His status for Sunday's game is up in the air. So, you know, if Tua plays, uh, that's going to give Miami a better chance. Uh, this is the playoff. So anything is possible. Uh, again, the room for margin now uh, is there is none. It, it's over. You you know, the, you you lose from this point now, you're going home. So Miami has a shot, but you would think with that the Bills being at home, uh, they're just the better team. And especially if Tua Tungvaloa does not play in that game, you expect for the Bills to win. The other elephant in the room is going to be in the other AFC wildcard game where you have the Bengals hosting the Ravens. Uh, the Bengals did sweep the Ravens this year. Um, again, it's hard to be the same team three times in a row. I think it's hard to be the team back-to-back -back weeks. That's the crazy things that happen with some of these matchups. So the Bengals and Ravens play Sunday and they're turning around and playing right back again this week in Cincinnati. And so the assumption is that the outcome would be the same, uh, especially for Baltimore if quarterback Lamar Jackson doesn't play. And that's the elephant in the room. Lamar is going to be up for a new contract in the offseason, wasn't able to get the deal done with the Ravens coming into the season. He's missed the last month of action with the knee injury, which includes he has not practiced. So his status is up in the air for Sunday's game. Even if he comes back, and even though he's one of the best players in the NFL, it'd be hard to imagine after sitting out for a month that he'd be able to jump back in the action, especially with the uh, lack of talented uh, receivers that the Ravens have and beat a Bengals team who, let's be honest, they're on a mission. They're one of the hottest teams 
in the NFL right now, I believe have ripped off seven in a row, made it to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, those guys are laser focused and ready to roll. And so um, I think people really feel the Bills and Bengals will get the win. The Chargers and Jaguars game is the true toss up. Talk to me, Vinny. Did you hear anything uh, coming out from that Chargers game about, you know, fans or media being upset and not understanding why head coach Brandon Staley would play starters in a meaningless game? And then also, do you see things shaking out any different uh, for the Bills and Bengals not getting a victory, even if the Dolphins have Tua Tungavailoa and the Ravens have Lamar Jackson? Well, yeah, and uh, I haven't heard anything uh, specifically, but I do know that the fact that if you're in your final game of the season or or you're getting, you're getting close to the playoffs, the fact that you would not use your regular starters is insane to me. Like, that, I mean, I don't know if that's a level of arrogance or if he just was ready to give up. I don't know what the logic is to not have your starting team and not have your best players at the end for this because it's not like it's not like they're going into the they're getting first round buys or anything like that you're going into the wild card that means you're still having to fight to even look at the playoffs so I thought that was ridiculous but as far as like the Bengals I'm shocked they're playing well this season they've literally been one of the worst teams in the NFL that I've seen so the fact that they're even they're even at this point or even made it to the Super Bowl last year I consider that to be a miracle and I, there's no way the Bills aren't going to the Super Bowl. I feel like the Bills, this is their year. It, they have every, like every week when we've gotten together and talked, I have had nothing but nice things to say about the Bills. Josh Allen is like a premier athlete, you know. So I feel like for the Bills, this is their year. And I'm not just, and I'm not just saying that because of what happened to Demar Hamlin, which I'm also glad he's, you know, back in Buffalo and up and moving around. Even before that, that 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 incident happened, the Bills were on a roll. So I feel like that. That's I feel I feel like this is their year. I, I'd be shocked if they're not holding the Vince Lombardi Trophy at by, when this is all said and done. I will be surprised. Yeah, and you know the, I I think the thing that uh, if they're unable to do that this year, and really that's why home field advantage was important for Buffalo, uh, is that is the only thing that they have not had in their favor the last couple years. You know, two years ago they went out to Kansas City, lost in the divisional round, uh, really got beat up bad. Uh, the following year or last year they went back to Kansas City and lost in overtime again and uh so this year home field advantage is what they wanted they thought that was the one thing that you know could potentially put them over the top and because of how things worked out with the Demar Hamlin situation they won't have home field advantage if it comes down to an AFC championship game they'll be playing at a neutral site so uh, I think that's something that's interesting but yeah I think uh for everybody who is looking at the AFC picture people feel that regardless of who it is if it's either going to be Kansas City Buffalo or Cincinnati uh that that is the general consensus. It will be shocking if the Chargers, Jaguars, Dolphins, or Ravens make the Super Bowl. It is almost a shoo-in that Patrick Mahomes led, led uh, leading the Chiefs, Josh Allen leading the Buffalo Bills, or Joe Burrow leading the Cincinnati Bengals are going to uh, get in the Super Bowl. And that certainly is where my money is as well. When we look at what happened in the NFC, there was two things that needed to be hashed out and decided. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles played their starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts, although he was not 100%. Uh, they just wanted to make sure they got a win to sew up home field advantage they were able to do so they beat the Giants 22 to 16 so now Philadelphia has a first round by number one overall seed in the NFC and because there was no confusion as far as the lack of games being played in the NFC on their side of things uh, that is where the championship will run so until the Eagles are out of the playoffs they will be hosting all playoff games with the Eagles wrapping up the number one seed the San Francisco 49ers made light work of the Arizona Cardinals they're the hottest team in the NFL right now winners of 
10 games in a row, and uh, they are going to be scary in the playoffs. They're the number two seed. Uh, locking in the number three seed is going to be the Minnesota Vikings. They played their starter some. I think that was a little bit smart. Again, you don't want to go in cold turkey. Um, made quick work of the Chicago Bears. They're locked into that number three seed. And then coming into the week, we already knew that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who it's crazy, right? That NFC South literally came down to one game. It was the Buccaneers with a losing record of eight wins and nine losses, winning the division one game ahead of the Atlanta Falcons at uh, New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers. All of those teams, one game behind at seven and 10. So this was a very competitive division. Tampa Bay, one game better. And when you look back uh, throughout the course of the season, one costly mistake by the Buccaneers would have had them lose this division. And so they were able to get in. They're the number four seed. Uh, the number five seed were, are going to be the Dallas Cowboys. They were an atrocity. Uh, that was the biggest blow. I think when you looked at uh, Dallas came into that game, playing their starters with the intention of winning that game. So in the event that the Eagles lost, they could jump up and get the number one seed. Washington played their uh, a rookie quarterback for the first time this year. He's a third string guy. Washington had absolutely nothing to play for except for pride. And they just came out and just basically took advantage of things that people have an issue with the Cowboys with. The Cowboys, if you look at their roster from head to toe, one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. Uh, led the league or amongst the league leaders again in points scored. But they're a team that are so inconsistent. They're so up and down. They're so night and day. It's rare that you can get a month's worth of football of seeing the same product. And when you go out to Washington, uh, a team starting a third string quarterback, a rookie who's never played in the NFL at all, when you have something to play for and you come out and mental Dallas unprepared on their very first drive, you're giving up points because their punter is muffin, right? A perfectly, you know, he's receiving a punt. He drops the punt and now now uh, Washington tackles them. They get great field position. On the next drive, Washington punts. Dallas is a punt returner. Muffs the punt. Fumbles. Allow for Washington to get the ball again inside the red zone. Dak Prescott throws an interception. This return for a touchdown. And so it's all these mishap errors and lack of preparation into Dallas Cowboys, our team, that are limping into the playoffs. I would say, thankfully for them, their first round opponent has not played that well this year. But the Dallas Cowboys are a team that have a lot of pressure on them uh, going into the to this playoffs because of how bad they looked in the game that they really needed to win this past week. The Seattle Seahawks uh, won a very tightly contested game at home. Uh, quarterback Geno Smith, his turnovers almost cost the Seahawks um, that win, but Seattle able to win in overtime, 19 to 16. And that left one thing left, and that was Sunday night football. The Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers had a very simple scenario. Win at home, we make the playoffs. If we lose, we go home. And sure enough, the Detroit Lions, I think another one of those teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars, like the Cincinnati Bengals, teams that have rolled the bottom of the NFL for so long, things are changing in Detroit. Again, I, I have to just keep mentioning, although Detroit's record was not good last year, their first year head coach, Dan Campbell, a grown man, cried in a press conference after the Lions lost a close game, and he cried because it ate him up so bad to see how hard his guys work in practice, yet they get in these close games and they just couldn't finish. And that told me that he had his locker room sold. That told me this is a guy who emotionally is invested in this team, and that told me that from day to day, he was earning those players' respect. You fast forward to this year, Detroit comes up one game short of making the playoffs, but the simple fact that they knew that they did not have a chance to make the playoffs if they won that game against Green Bay Sunday because Seattle won. And so the Lions, nonetheless, they come out, they go to Lambeau Field, and they just 
take it from the Green Bay Packers and quarterback Aaron Rodgers, who we'll definitely be talking about in another segment. But this could be, that could be the last time we see Aaron Rodgers. And I think for me, um, that's the problem that you have with Aaron Rodgers this year. I don't think he was all in. I think from the very time that the season started, he was not. Even if you're 97% in, he, I don't think he just was all in with this team this year. And I think it showed. You know, I think it showed. And you can't point the finger anywhere else. This was Aaron Rodgers. The defense held Detroit to 20 points. Um, I mean, the offense, for what it's worth, I think they could have done a better job running the football. But this is what you get paid $50 million a year for. This is why you're a Hall of Fame quarterback. This is why you're regarded as one of the best in the business. And Aaron Rodgers, two interceptions. Uh, his poor play, not only in this game, throughout the course of the season. It ended up costing uh, the Packers. And so uh, a demoralized Green Bay team uh, left off the field with their heads down, not making the playoffs. The Detroit Lions salivated, ran all over that football field, and kind of let the NFC North know and the NFC know that, hey, we're a team that you certainly want to be mindful of coming in the next year, especially because they have a high draft pick from when they made the trade to get Jared Goff and let Matthew Stafford go to the LA Rams. So I, I think if you're a Detroit Lions fan, if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, you just have to feel good knowing that your team is no longer a laughing stock of the NFL, that you can actually cheer for your team, have some pride, go to a game, and know that you got a competitive product on the field by default with that Packers loss and the Seattle Seahawks winning in overtime. It is Seattle who was able to get in with that seventh seed. And when we look at the NFC wildcard race, very complicated picture. I think there's more intrigue. I will say that the Philadelphia Eagles with the number one seed the San Francisco 49ers at two I think those two teams right now uh, are head and heels above the rest of those teams in the NFC when you look at these NFC wildcard matchups you got Seattle going to San Francisco again anything's possible I think for San Francisco I think if there is a concern it's just that you won 10 games in a row and basically at this point in order to win a Super Bowl that number is going to have to stretch out to 14 and I mean it's just difficult I don't care who you're playing against it is difficult to win 14 straight games and so uh, right now, San Francisco, 10 straight wins. Rookie quarterback Brock Purdy. I think the pressure's on him now because as well as he's played, he's still a rookie. It's going to still be his first time in the playoffs. And again, we're at a point now where these mistakes, an error here, a miscalculation there, a bad play here, not seeing somebody open there, a penalty here. These things certainly will factor in. So San Francisco still a double-digit favorite, best defense in the NFL. Um, but Seattle is a team that's coming in that's going to play loose. Nothing to lose. Nothing's expected of them. They're going to come in focused, ready to roll. I think it's going to be a good game, but the 49ers are certainly favored. You look at the Giants and the Vikings, and I think that game's a little bit more intriguing than maybe what it looks like on paper. Now, these two teams play um, within the last month. The Vikings were able to edge out the Giants. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Vikings respond. Again, they're a team that nobody really fears. Uh, we've talked about their up and down struggles throughout the year, but they do have home field advantage. They do have the superior team. Uh, when you look at what's on their roster compared to the Giants. But again, a, a team like Seattle, a team like New York, what's going to make them dangerous is, again, playing with house money. Nothing was expected of the Giants this year. So they're going to come in that game loose. They're going to come in that game ready to roll and just be able to lay it all on the line. The pressure in both of those matchups are certainly on San Francisco and Minnesota. When you look at that final wild card game, which is going to be taking place Monday night, it is going to pit the Dallas Cowboys against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. And that is the one thing I said for the Cowboys that I think will allow for them to get past their poor showing a little bit better this last week. They're going to play an eight-win team, a team that has a losing record, and a team that, let's face it, with the exception of maybe one game, with the exception of maybe
maybe a quarter here, a quarter there. Tampa Bay has really looked bad this year. They've really struggled to score points. I don't know how much that changes overnight, uh, but I think the Cowboys, who are coming into that game as role favorites getting three, I think that's a very intriguing matchup because those are two teams right now where I don't know if people can come in and just know for a fact what you're going to get for both of those teams. How do you see things shaking up in the NFC? Are you in the mindset, Benny, that the Eagles and the 49ers are the favorites, or do you give a shot to the Giants, Vikings, Cowboys, or Buccaneers? Um, I definitely think, um, well, the, the Buccaneers definitely have a good shot. Um, I think the Giants have been playing phenomenally, so I would definitely give um, a shot to them. If if not the Giants, definitely the Eagles. They've been crushing it. Um, it's A lot of these are, I think, like, if I'm looking at it, I think the Eagles, 49ers, Giants, and the Buccaneers are the four teams you want to watch out for. I got a feeling those are the ones that I think, I, I can't say which one is going to go to the Super Bowl, but I got a feeling it's going to be one of those four. Absolutely. Well, uh, we won't have to wait much longer. Uh, this weekend's going to be action-packed. We've got a doubleheader Saturday, doubleheader, a tripleheader Sunday, and then one on Monday night. So it is definitely going to be very intriguing uh, to see who wins those ball games. Like I said, looking at them, the 49ers, uh, the Bills, the Bengals, I think those are the favorites for sure. Like, that's where everybody feels most comfortable that those teams are win. And I think you have three toss-ups. You know, I think even though Minnesota is the favorite, uh, we need Kirk Cousins. We know in the biggest moments is when he has a tendency to shrink up. And we've seen Minnesota be a team, even at home. Let's not forget, Dallas came in, beat them 40-3. to Let's not forget, Indianapolis got up on them 33 to nothing. It feels like, oh yeah, and Green Bay slammed them 41-17 to a couple weeks ago. And so uh, I don't think it's just a given that the Giants are going to lose that game. So I think it's very intriguing there. And like you said, I think that Cowboys-Buccaneers is a complete toss-up as well as the Chargers and Jaguars. So I think you have three games where we have outright favorites. It'd be shocking if the 49ers, Bills, and Bengals didn't win. But again, when it comes to Tampa and Dallas, when it comes to New York and the Vikings, when it comes to the Chargers and Jaguars, I think those games are complete coin tosses and it makes for a uh, very great weekend of NFL football. Absolutely. The, you know, you, you know, it's, it's always good to have like accurate predictions um, when analyzing stuff, but just as a ca- just as a fan watching, when it's a toss-up, I think that makes the game more intriguing because now it's like, okay, I have no idea what's going to happen. I think, those are, I think those are some of the best games when like when you could just look at a game and go, this is a toss-up. I have no idea where what's going to happen. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know how it is in the NFL. A lot of times, as much as things seem like a sure thing, <laughs> you just <laughs> never know. So... Uh, it's definitely going to be a very interesting and uh, fun weekend. And I'll be looking forward to uh, coming back next week. You know, this this uh, teams will be narrowing down, Vinny. So when we come back next week, the field will be shrunk down from 14 to 8. So it's going to be fun. Absolutely. And uh, real quick, uh, before we uh, officially wrap this up, uh, let everybody know where they can find you on social media. Absolutely. On Twitter, at NFL Exporter. Facebook.com forward slash NFL Exporter. Uh, if you're on Instagram, the handle is you. UFC ATL that stands for Ultimate Football Club ATL. Those handles on Twitter and Facebook, you spell NFL Exporter NFL EXP. O-R-T-E-R to make things real easy, easy. If you visit my website, which is my official home and hub for all my work, my weekly podcast, that's NFLexporter.com. Again, that's N-F-L-E-X-P-O-R-T-E-R.com. And when you go to the website across the top of the page, it has all the social media handles where you can simply click the logo. It'll take you directly to the page and you can give me a follow. I'd be more than happy to continue to, uh, I guess at this point, provide some great extra coverage as we're getting down uh, to the telling 
here. And again, if you are here in Atlanta, please make sure to follow that Instagram page. That is UFCATL. We got some great playoff games uh, coming up, events coming up, live events, as well as a year in Atlanta Falcons party. So we definitely would love to invite you out uh, for sure. Any other problems, get in contact with my guy, Vinny. He'll be there. He'll also be able to direct you to my social media links as well. Absolutely. So uh, as always, Lance, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you and uh, we'll see you next week um, for the playoffs. Absolutely, man. Have a great weekend and enjoy all the football. I look forward to talking to you next week. All right. And make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook. Facebook.com slash TheBoochCast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TheBoochCast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content. And be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Be sure to check out our latest episode of BoochCast Reviews, Dark Side of the 90s. Baywatch Sex Cells is out right now, so make sure to check that out on the YouTube channel. And of course, check out all the other episodes of Dark Side of the 90s that are posted. We got everything posted at least up till February 9th. We plan on having some other episodes uh, posted soon after that. We got a few episodes already uh, recorded. We just need to edit them and get them up there. And we We'll have them up there as soon as possible. And we still got uh, quite a ways to go before we are completely done with Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the 90s. But make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel so you know when they will be posted and you will be one of the first to check out the new episode. And of course, be sure to follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, January the 28th for the WWE Royal Rumble. This is the first stop on the road to Wrestlemania and we'll be checking out the men's and women's Royal Rumble matches to find out who will be main eventing nights one and two of Wrestlemania 39. Also on the card we got Bray Wyatt versus LA Knight in a Mountain Dew pitch black match and Roman Reigns will defend the undisputed WWE Universal Championship against Kevin Owens. Also, we have our live uh, D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special project that we have in the works. Also, you guys can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your financial budget. We have our first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. And we have our third level, which is $9.99, $10 per month. And you have the option of paying with a credit card or... Or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money that we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. That money is used to upgrade our equipment. We use it to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believe they deserve to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby.
Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.